everybody, Bill Buckmaster with you along with Tom Fairbanks. Tom, we made it. It's March 1st. Do you know today is National Day of Unplugging? I'm not sure what we're supposed to be unplugging from. Uh, maybe it's kickback day or something. I guess maybe unplug from our devices. Who knows? Hmm. Something like that, I'm guessing. But this one I do know uh, is easier. Today is National Peanut Butter Lover's Day. Oh, my goodness. You, well, you know, we all love <laughs> peanut butter, right? Yes. I think. Oh, a little uh, inside information for you and our audience. Mm-hmm. When you speak with Dr. Trujillo today, mm-hmm. you might wish him a belated happy birthday. He shares something that with your nephew. Oh, really? Yeah. Ask him about it. I will ask him about it uh, momentarily, but right now I want to tell everybody that we are in the Green Things Zocalo Village Studios. Welcome to the Buckmaster Show, Friday, March 1st, 2024. This is 1030 KVOI, The Voice. We're part of the Bustos Media Tucson growing, the growing presence of Bustos Media. We've got five radio stations uh, under one roof in uh, this particular building. We are Tucson's only source for live local news and talk. We're in our 14th year with the radio show, and that puts me into 36 years involved with Tucson Media. We have our worldwide live listening and podcasts of the show at buckmastershow.com plus uh, 13 years of content that is very easy to archive uh, on my website buckmastershow.com. When we speak with Dr. Trujillo in a moment on the live line, the live line is presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management our media partners, TucsonSentinel.com, Dylan Smith. Thanks, Dylan, for all your support over the years. Green Valley News and Saharita Sun, that's uh, Dan Shear and his team. We thank them. We thank Tucson Local Media Group and its portfolio of publications, including Inside Tucson Business, Tucson Weekly, Oro Valley Explorer, Marana News, Foothills News, and Desert Times. Thought I would give all of our media co-hosts the day off. So it's me flying solo uh, today on on Friday's show and our Friday Focus interview, Dr. Gabriel Trujillo, superintendent of the Tucson Unified School District. I didn't know you are a leap year baby, Dr. Trujillo. Yes, Bill, hello, and thank you for the belated leap year uh, greetings. I was born on February 29th, back in uh, our nation's uh, centennial birthday, 1976. That's part of the reason I'm not able to be in studio. I I took some time off yesterday to celebrate my once-in-every-four-year birthday with family (laughs) and friends. (laughs) So now I know two people. Uh, Well, actually, I think I know three, but I know two for sure. My nephew, uh, David Buckmaster, uh, was born on a leap in a leap year. So uh, I hope you had a good day. And and when you have a birthday every four years, I guess you have to really make it special, Dr. Trujillo. Oh, yeah. It's always very special. The tradition has been a big family dinner, lots of friends have everybody over, um, cake, uh, celebrate. And then in the in-between years, it's really just kind of another day at the office. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just usually it's just a, a quick cake and, and that's it. So, yeah, we it, it's a big deal in our family, uh, the leap year every time it comes up. 
All right, let's get in. We've got a lot to uh, cover during. We're going to do three, actually, three segments with you today. So a lot of material to cover, uh, Dr. Trujillo. Let's begin by um, this word that spending by uh, administrators will be cut 5% uh, in the district. What in the world's going on? Well, you know, it's um, it's a challenge, uh, obviously, anytime that we are looking at money, but particularly when we're, when we're tasked with saving positions that serve students either in the classroom or on the campus, in this case, counselors and social workers that provide vital student services to kids that need that help uh, during the school day. They're currently funded by American Rescue Plan monies, known as ESSER, uh, the elementary and secondary schools economic recovery fund. Those dollars will run out as of July 1st. So we've got uh, 24 hardworking social workers and counselors that are funded out of those dollars that are a total cost of about 1.3 million. And we've got to come up with the money to be able to keep them working for students. So uh, I always believe that in these difficult times, it's always the administration that should lead first. And if we're going to start talking about cutting, making reductions, I think the administration should set the example. Uh, we are the furthest from the classroom. Uh, and I think it's only appropriate to begin in the administrative office. So we've stepped forward uh, and we will be uh, looking at 5% cuts across central office departments, starting with the superintendent's office. Uh, all, across every department to be able to generate the funds necessary to make sure that these social workers and counselors can continue the great work that they're doing for students. Where are you going to come up with that, the money, though, for those cuts? That's a lot of money. It is. Uh, primarily, we're going department by department, and we're starting with vacant positions, okay? So positions where uh, hires haven't been made yet. We're going to go ahead and freeze those and ask those departments to start putting together plans for how that work is gonna get covered. We're also gonna be looking at reductions in departmental supply and travel budgets as well. Uh, we're also gonna be looking at uh, professional development and training budgets. We'll also be looking at um, uh, and making assessments on uh, projects and initiatives coming out of every single department how can we fund those projects with other funding sources like grant funding sources, or uh, if there's a possibility of postponing until next fiscal year. So I think between these strategies, we're going to be able to cobble together the million plus dollars needed to be able to keep uh, our social workers and our counselors. Uh, in 2019, TUSD filed suit against a uh, e-cigarette company that is affiliated with the Philip Morris Company, and the district uh, was one of the first to join that lawsuit, which eventually involved nearly uh, 1,500 U.S. school districts. Has there now been a settlement that will help out uh, uh, the district? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question, Bill. So I know for those in the public who have not necessarily been plugged in to the lengthy litigation and court battle uh, between TUSD and our partner districts across the nation against Juul, uh, one of the foremost 
uh, and most preeminent manufacturers of vape products and flavored tobacco, um, we prevailed in this litigation and uh, our attorneys were able to, in a court of law, substantiate our claim that Juul's products and the availability of those products through their lobbying have provided or have proven to be detrimental to the health and safety of our students, have proven to be disruptive uh, to our campuses, and have actually led to an increase in student suspensions because of the possession of flavored tobacco and vaping products like vape pens and pipes. So as a result of this victory, uh, we've, we've been able to settle with Juul for about $7.5 million. And what our governing board did um, uh, under the leadership of Dr. Shaw, who was president at the time, as board president, he brought forward a motion to create a substance misuse uh, and prevention task force. And their charge was to put together plans for how to best utilize the dollars. And at this last governing board meeting, they presented a three-pronged plan for how to best utilize these dollars that's really going to be centered on the creation of a community healthcare uh, case management model for each of the five regions in TUSD. And each region encompasses about 15, 16 schools, will be assigned a community healthcare worker, and their charge will be to coordinate resources and healthcare needs from the community into the schools. And the second charge of, of the committee will be to use the dollars to go out for bid and to look for um, a contracted vendor out there in the community, a behavioral health care provider that will be able to come in and implement a professionally resourced, uh, best practice rooted uh, and effective substance abuse recovery program for our young people that are struggling with addiction. So that when we do have instances where students are coming in under the influence or they are using alcohol or they're using these e-cigarettes, we have a more proactive approach to deal with the addiction other than just the straight suspension, which of course will still happen. But in addition to a suspension, we also want to support our families out there by helping them and giving them resources that they need uh, to assist young people that are struggling with addiction. So that will now be part of the consequence. In addition to the suspension, there will be the mandatory participation in drug and alcohol uh, and substance abuse treatment programs facilitated by a professional uh, behavioral health care vendor. And for those that don't know, Dr. Ravi Shah, TUSD uh, board member, is the medical director at the Pima County Jail. And, and he says, uh, Dr. Trujillo, that he has seen society fail these struggling people, uh, especially young people with, with substance abuse. And he said some of those young people certainly are within, uh, within the Tucson Unified School District. Uh, he's absolutely right. And, you know, this is Dr. Shaw's passion point. You know, from the moment he stepped on the board, he had a vision for how to deal with addiction in this district and uh, how to deal proactively and compassionately uh, with young people struggling with addiction. And this is part of that vision. And uh, to hear him speak of, of some of the horror stories that he sees 
as the Pima County Jail Medical Director of prisoners that are going through detox and what that does to their bodies and uh, what that does to the families that try to support them. It's very scary. And of course, we don't want that outcome for any of our TUSD kids. So I'm very, very proud of the work that this task force has done. And I look forward to bringing these resources into the district and to putting the settlement money to great use in service of this community and young people that are struggling with addiction. So uh, to summarize uh, our first segment here, talking about uh, health. Uh, So the district's hiring healthcare workers uh, to work with students because of that, of that money coming in on the settlement. And then we talked about trying to save counselors. Uh, So these are all areas that really uh, are so important. They're not actual classroom instruction, but they're certainly supplemental to a healthy classroom environment. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And this is all school level spending. So though they're not directly in the classroom teaching, they are in our schools and they are working with students that are struggling um, with any aspect of socio-emotional health or dealing with addiction issues. They're also helping to resolve conflict, uh, which is a big challenge for young people uh, in our schools. And they're also there to assist teachers who are struggling with the behavioral challenges of some of our students. So counselors and social workers play an absolutely vital role on the campuses to make sure that our teachers are able to do the amazing work that they can do and that our students are in the right mindset to learn and be successful. All right. Why don't we take the break right now for Mona's Danish bakery and uh, Dr. Trujillo, you missed out uh, today by, by not coming in, but I certainly understand as you're celebrating your birthday, we could have had you here celebrating with a piece of Danish Kringle. I stopped by Mona's on the way in and uh, picked up a full-blown Kringle uh, filled with, uh, the filling was almond, almond paste. Absolutely delicious. Tom Fairbanks uh, enjoyed uh, a very healthy-sized piece of the the Kringle, and we would have had one here for you, uh, Dr. Trujillo. Well, I am sorry I missed out. That would have been a perfect way to top off my birthday. Yes, it would have. <laughs> Mona's Danish Bakery is home of the Kringle, northeast corner of Swan and Sunrise. And uh, now that they have the liquor license, you can do a mimosa, that champagne and orange juice, with your uh, with your breakfast. Or if you want a beer at lunch, and they are open right now for lunch, they are, uh, they've got several bottled uh, beers, domestic and uh, imported. The imported includes uh, Peroni, the uh, Italian beer. Mona'sDanishBakery.com is their website. They're open Tuesday through Sunday. They take Monday off. The doors open in the morning at 6.30. All right, we'll take our first break on our Friday Focus interview. A little bit of extended interview today, uh, taking a deeper dive into Tucson Unified with Dr. Gabriel Trujillo. Back with him right after this. Family-owned Jam Culinary Concepts and its family of restaurants has you covered for your special event. Jam caters anytime, anywhere, any size group, and any type of cuisine. Vero Amore, authentic Neapolitan pizza, and Noble Hops, 
craft beer and fine fare are synonymous with quality. Call 954-1468 or log on to jamculinaryconcepts.com. Buckmaster Show listeners know that I'm passionate about travel. When I'm ready to take off on a new adventure, my air travel begins and ends at Tucson International Airport. TUS is nonstop for our community and Southern Arizona. So remember to fly local, fly Tucson. Tucson International is nonstop for Tucson. More at flytucson.com. The Regional Transportation Authority's 20-year plan includes roadway, transit, pedestrian, bicycle, and many other transportation improvements across the region. Pima County voters approved the plan in 2006, and the RTA is finalizing a new 20-year plan for RTA board review and approval to seek public feedback on the draft plan. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates. Hi, this is Irene Coppola, President and CEO of the Better Business Bureau serving Southern Arizona. The BBB sets the standards for marketplace trust by engaging with and educating consumers and businesses. The BBB is the resource to turn to for the objective, unbiased information on businesses offering national and local consumer services online and in person. Learn more about the many services offered by the Better Business Bureau at bbb.org. The nonprofit Tucson Wildlife Center has been helping injured, sick, and orphan wildlife in Southern Arizona since 1999. They're dedicated to the rescue, medical care, and rehabilitation of sick, injured, and orphan wildlife with the goal of releasing them back to their natural habitat. Around 5,000 animals a year come to them as they are the only wildlife rescue in Southern Arizona. All made possible through donations. They receive no government funding. Please donate at TucsonWildlife.com. The Green Valley News and Sarita Sun cover two of Arizona's most desirable communities. The newspapers reach more than 75% of the communities each week, with a combined population of more than 50,000. The Green Valley News also publishes a dozen magazines each year, and both newspapers publish up-to-the-minute local news online at gvnews.com. The Green Valley News and Sarita Sun, it's all right here. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show. Friday focus interview today, Tucson Unified School District Superintendent Dr. Gabriel Trujillo. We are in the Green Things Zocalo Village Studios. And when we're doing our phone interviews, our live line presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management. Be a great weekend to get out and do some gardening. Uh, Green Things, 3384 East River Road by the Rito River. That 13-acre site has everything you need for the garden and the garden accessories, including some incredible pottery, the Talavera Pottery. I think their collection is second to none, at least in Arizona. GreenThingsAZ.com and ZocaloVillage.com. They are open uh, daily. They're in their 53rd year of business. Let's go back now on the live, live line with Dr. Gabriel Trujillo. A couple of weeks ago, our Friday Focus interview featured Tom Horn, uh, the superintendent of public instruction. 
here in the state of Arizona, and he thinks Arizona needs an exit exam for all high school students. This would be um, uh, his office, the education department, would set the uh, minimum ACT score required to graduate. Uh, Your thoughts on that, Dr. Trujillo? Yeah, you know, uh, I I um, I just think that's a horrible idea. I really do. Uh, you're, we're talking about students who invest four years of their life uh, and their energy and their passion and their commitment to a school, a community, a school district. They do everything that is asked of them. They pass their classes. They earn credits. And by the way, if anybody wants this to be an accountability conversation within that course of four years, students are responsible for performing well on the state assessments, the Arizona academic skills assessment in both English language arts and math. They have, they have to do, they have to do well and pass that exam and show growth 10th grade and 11th grade. And then they have to do the ACT already. So they're already taking three comprehensive exams out of the four year in high school. And then you add a fourth, uh, to me, it's just, it's a way to hold kids hostage that I just don't necessarily agree with. I think it's unnecessary. I think that we have enough standardized testing going on in the schools to measure learning outcomes and to measure how well a student is educating kids without adding another high stakes, all or nothing exit exam and putting it on the backs of our seniors that have already invested four years of their lives in our schools. So currently to graduate from high school, Dr. Trujillo, Arizona students must complete a minimum number of credits and pass a civics test based on the U.S. naturalization test. Is that correct? That's correct. And then they also have to take the Arizona Academic Skills Assessment as sophomores and then again as juniors. So I, I, I don't know where we're, uh, what we're gaining by adding um, an all or nothing, high stakes, win or lose, zero sum game, uh, comprehensive exit exam uh, at the end of senior year. I think that just ramps up anxiety uh, and I just think it's a, it's a, it's a bad idea. He's had, Dr. Horn, as as you know, and most of the listeners know, he's had a very checkered past with the relationship with Tucson Unified. And during our conversation, he did admit there are some good schools uh, in uh, in the district you're responsible for. I think you would probably disagree with him in just some good schools, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would uh, vehemently disagree with Superintendent Horn because it's his Arizona Department of Education that actually upgraded our rating as a district. We were we are no longer a C-rated district. We're a B-rated district. And under his Arizona Department of Education's accountability system, we've been able to substantially increase the amount of A and B schools to just about half of the district now uh, being A or B-rated. And under his accountability system, we have been able to erase all of our F schools and reduce the amount of D schools from 23 down to six. And we've been able to do that in three years, largely by playing by his rules. So 
those kinds of statements that he makes really kind of contradict um, the accountability structures that his own department have set up to measure school and district effectiveness. And for those that haven't heard, more than 80 Pima County schools earned A's, uh, and uh, and that's pretty darn impressive. Uh, and, and there's quite a few of those in TUSD, correct? Yeah, quite a few in TUSD. And we, of course, always like to welcome in uh, our, our newest A schools like Tolson out there on the uh, west side, Tolson Elementary. We'd like to welcome Dodge Middle School, our newest A-rated middle school coming in. So uh, we're up to 14 A schools, and that is uh, one of the largest amount of, of A schools in all of Pima County for a singular district. So we're very proud of the work that um, those school communities have done. How about sixth grade being added to 10 uh, TUSD elementary schools? Is that still going to happen? We're very, very excited about the addition of sixth grade to 10 of our, well, currently kindergarten through fifth grade campuses. We know that middle schools uh, are an area of critical need for us. Uh, They're an area of critical focus. We know that the learning outcomes and student achievement in math and and English language arts, they're the most challenged at grades six through eight. And what we're doing is we're running a pilot program to see what effect on those learning outcomes would be uh, evident if we added an additional year of sixth grade to the elementaries. So that students in that sort of very delicate age of um, sixth grade, when you're you're 12 years old and and you're kind of uh, exiting a a self-contained elementary system where you only have one teacher all year, what if we could keep you on that campus and keep you with those same relationships and kind of take that sixth grade year to start training you, teaching you, onboarding you, and orientating you to the concept of departmentalized instruction, meaning middle, full-on middle school, where now you're switching classes every 55 minutes. We don't do a good enough job of that. And this pilot is meant to reverse that and to change that and to see if by changing that and actually slowing the pace down and giving students a more robust support system and onboarding uh, a better transition from elementary to the full-on standalone middle school experience, can we actually increase student achievement uh, for middle school kids, particularly sixth grade in math and English language arts, and then other school-related outcomes like attendance and discipline we're also going to be watching as well. This is also not to mention an enrollment initiative. Um, We've long struggled with fifth grade families not having the highest level of confidence in our middle school product, but also being very loyal to their neighborhood elementary school. So this is a good way for us to hang on to those families uh, for at least another year and to really work on strengthening and improving the middle school product so that those families will also opt in for seventh and eighth grade as well. So those are the overall goals of of our pilot. What about teachers? No teachers will lose their jobs as part of the pilot. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, we we were blessed to 
have enough teaching vacancies where teachers will be able to slide into those vacancies uh, without having to lose any uh, lose any positions. So as students, as we see fewer sixth grade students going to our big middle schools like a Valencia or a Pister, if a Valencia or Pister middle school, because of fewer sixth grade students, have sixth grade teachers that don't have enough students for a full-time position, we have plenty of sixth grade teaching positions throughout the district where those teachers would be able to land without us having to execute any kind of a reduction in force. We're very lucky. We don't want to be putting teachers out of work at all. Speaking of being out of work, uh, the uh, the funding puzzle as COVID relief ends and um, the Title I cuts are looming, will we have some job cuts coming up? There had been talk of maybe some assistant principal jobs may be on the line. What what can you tell us about that? Well, so far, so good, Bill. Um, I want to credit my chief, our chief financial officer, Mr. Ricky Hernandez. Uh, he has just been a wizard with this budget, finding creative ways, alternative funding sources, leveraging some grants that we have to try to cobble together alternative funding plans to save a lot of these positions so that we don't have to resort to cutting assistant principal jobs. So far, that is that is off the table. Uh, we have not been able, or we, we have been able to meet our funding needs for social workers and counselors, and of course, uh, our uh, MTSS student support coordinators, we've been able to find other funding sources to cover the cost of keeping them on board without having to resort to cutting assistant principal jobs. So the big challenge now, of course, is going to be desegregation funding and reallocating some of those dollars towards the classroom so we can continue funding these reading and math intervention teachers that have been so effective with our students. And that deseg cut could be as much as 15%, would you say? It's going to be about 3.6 million. Mm-hmm. So it'll it'll be that's going to be a little bit more than 6% of our existing deseg budget which is capped at 63 mil uh that we're going to carve out and reallocate uh to these teaching positions. Which, by the way, Bill, that's really what the community has always demanded that we do with any of our dollars, whether they're DSEG or our central budget, is to spend as much money in the classroom on direct instruction to students. And that's exactly what we're seeking to do with this reallocation of desegregation money. And the TUSD board did gain full control as that long-running desegregation case closed out uh, that all started about, well, it'll be two years uh, coming up in July, correct? Absolutely. And this is the first substantial move that they will be asked to make in terms of actually assuming full control of the $63 million budget. This is their first major decision on how they see this money being used. Because up until this point, 
they've had absolutely no voice and no choice <laughs> as a board. And you've had several board members from Mark Stegeman to Michael Hicks, to Crystal Foster, then Adelita. And though those individuals, those former board members, have always had their differences in other areas, but they've always agreed on the frustration of desegregation limitations and not having full control of that budget. So this board is the first board that is actually going to have the autonomy to execute this type of funding reallocation uh, on their own autonomously without having to check in with a federal court. And for folks that don't know, this this goes back to a two lawsuit, two class action lawsuits filed way back in 1974 uh, by a black family and a Mexican-American family that accused Tucson Unified of segregation. Yeah, and, and I think it's very important to not acknowledge, Bill, and for the listeners out there, it, the Tucson Unified School District has a very dark history of segregating students and engaging in institutional discrimination throughout the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and even into the 90s. So that that original desegregation order uh, that came out in 1974 was very much warranted and needed to really correct a lot of the institutional discrimination that was going on at the time. Of course, now in the year 2024, um, the district, of course, has eradicated any remnants of uh, or vestiges of past discrimination at an institutional level. And now the conversation has become about the achievement gap and the extent to which the district should be under a court order because of a persistent achievement gap that exists between African-American students and Anglo students. Of course, uh, the district's argument was that we shouldn't be because that achievement gap is persistent in every major school district, in every major urban area across the nation. It doesn't mean we don't attack it. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, prioritize it. It doesn't mean that we don't engage in best practices needed to eradicate it, but it certainly doesn't warrant the intervention of a federal court. And thankfully, uh, the, the court saw it our way and, and released us from court supervision. And so that's where we stand now, you know, for the last couple of years, of course, the uh, the plaintiff representatives did uh, file an appeal. The case is now uh, making its way through the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, and we, of course, are awaiting a decision uh, from San Francisco, uh, the, the, the home base, if you will, of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Could this wind up before the U.S. Supreme Court, the TUSD case? It very much could. Um, it, either whoever wins or loses at the ninth uh, has will have the opportunity to appeal to the Supreme Court. Absolutely. It could very much end up in, in, in the Supreme Court. Of course, the Supreme Court uh, would have to choose to accept the case, whether it was TUSD or the plaintiff representatives making the request. All right. Uh, we've done two full segments with Dr. Trujillo, and uh, we will do one more rather short one after we take the break. It's Buckmaster on a Friday afternoon in the KVOI Green Things Zocalo Village Studios. We'll be right back with Dr. Trujillo. 
Dine in or take out authentic Neapolitan wood-fired pizza at Vero Amore, where every flavorful pizza, pasta, and panini are homemade. Using the finest local and imported ingredients, Vero Amore, Plaza Palomino at Swan and Fort Lowell, and on Dove Mountain in Marana, plus a full catering menu and mobile pizza truck for parties and events. Vero Amore, on the web at veroamorepizza.com. Nestled in the foothills of the Santa Rita Mountains of southeastern Arizona is Equine Voices and Sanctuary. Home to horses and burros that were rescued from neglect, abuse abandonment, and slaughter. Please consider Equine Voices Rescue and Sanctuary with a financial gift of support and estate remembrance. Learn more about our vision and values at equinevoices.org. Are you happy with the news you get? While not all news is good news, you know good reporting when you see it. Check TucsonSentinel.com every day for breaking news and investigative reports. Have your say in the comments. It's all in TucsonSentinel.com, your local, independent, nonprofit news. You can rely on TucsonSentinel.com for solid reporting about immigration, Tucson and penal politics, everything from the border to baseball. It's independent news without the spin. TucsonSentinel.com. We are watching Tucson. This is Bill Buckmaster urging my listeners to join me in becoming a member of the Reed Park Zoo, one of America's top zoos and home to more than 300 animals from all over the world. When you become a zoo member, you receive free daytime admission, discounts on special events and education programs, and so much more. Find out more about zoo membership and everything you need to know about your zoo visit. ReedParkZoo.org whether you've considered an all-inclusive luxury cruise, an expedition adventure, or a relaxing river cruise, come to Bon Voyage Travel's annual showcase on March 3rd at the Hilton El Conquistador. Presentations will be offered throughout the day to provide you a chance to hear more about these travel brands and their exciting offers. Bill Buckmaster and I will be teaming up to present the travel trends of 2024. Visit bvtravel.com for more information on Bon Voyage Travel's free showcase on March 3rd. For more than a half century, Tucson Gardeners trust Green Things, a family-owned and operated retail and wholesale plant nursery, offering an amazing variety of plants, trees, cacti, pottery, and so much more, all at great prices. The 13-and-a-half-acre site by the Rieto River is also home to the Zocalo Village, specializing in fine Mexican and Latin American imported furniture and art. Green Things open daily at 3384 East River Road and at greenthingsaz.com and zocalovillage.com. Welcome back. It is the Buckmaster Show and the Green Thing is Zocalo Village Studios, our live line presented by Rincon Ventures Real Estate and Property Management, taking a uh, rather extended visit uh, with Dr. Gabriel Trujillo. Normally our visits are two, set, two 10 minute segments, but I've uh, on Friday, we take a little deeper dive, so we're going three full, well, not full segments. I've still got, with this segment, uh, about seven minutes with Dr. Trujillo. I want to talk about uh, a revision to the dress code at, at Tucson Unified. What is now allowable uh, for students uh, when it comes to the way they present themselves uh, at, the, at the school? Yeah, Bill, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I've been a little disappointed in local press coverage, uh, stories leading with titles like TUSD loosens dress code policy, 
TUSD abandons dress code policy. That's actually not the case. If you look at the policy we have, I think our policy that actually brings a lot more clear-cut guidance for administrators uh, in terms of what students can be wearing. So, number one, uh, the new policy revision uh, prohibits uh, the wearing or the showing of any interior clothing like underwear or bras. So I think that that is a big, big uh, piece of guidance for administrators to help them deal with uh, inappropriate dress in our schools. Students must be wearing uh, clothing that's appropriate for school uh, as defined as shirts, blouses, pants, um, and clothing that just doesn't disrupt the educational environment. So this bullet point right here gives the administrators on our campus the teeth to enforce some of the inappropriate dress that unfortunately has kind of made its way um, into the press in terms of stories of uh, students showing up with pajamas or showing up with clothing that, that's revealing. Our, our administrators now have the guidance that they need uh, to be able to enforce. I think the policy that was approved by the board still is very explicit in terms of the kind of clothing that's appropriate uh, with regard to pants or shorts or blouses or shirts that cover the entirety of the body. And what we did was we removed some of the problematic areas of the dress code that I believe inadvertently targeted uh, some of our female students in terms of specifically mentioning things like uh, crop tops, halter tops, uh, requiring administrators and teachers to enforce dress that uh, revealed uh, the lower buttocks region, the lower back region, or that showed uh, unnecessary amounts of chest or cleavage. Th this type of language, uh, I believe, uh, just just perpetrated a lot of gender bias and really put a lot of our female students in the crosshairs of scrutiny that uh, other students, particularly our male students, weren't subjected to. So I think this is just more gender neutral language that will even out enforcement and probably give administrators more guidance and more explicit guidance on what's enforceable and what's not enforceable with regard to student dress. Um, I know there were some comments by uh, the Tucson High principal about singular incidents and anecdotal examples of a student that come into school with like a nightgown. I just want to tell you, Bill, I've, I've been on Tucson High's campus tons of times, dozens of times in my time serving the Tucson Unified Community. Uh, it's a beautiful campus, 3,000 wonderful kids there. That's not the norm. The majority of students at Tucson High, they dress very respectfully. The majority of them are going to be wearing jeans and Converse All-Stars or Vans. Um, and, and we're always going to have singular incidents where students present themselves in a manner that is not conducive to the learning environment. But those are anecdotal, and they're certainly not the norm and not reflective of the student body at large out there at Tucson High. Was anything said about body art, in other words, tattoos, uh, Dr. Trujillo? Uh, nothing about body art and tattoos. Obviously, we do have uh, governing board policy 
regarding um, uh, let me go back here. So we have two pieces of governing board policy that would deal with disruptive sorts of body art. Like let's say that a student comes in and let's say that there is a Nazi symbol, a swastika, uh, and it's visible on the forearm. We have policy language on our non-discrimination policy that would allow us to take disciplinary action in that type of a situation. And then also the dress code policy itself in terms of a swastika presenting an immediate threat um, to student safety as well as a disruption to the educational environment where we would be able to take very quick action on something like that. So if the body, if the body art of the tattoo was of that magnitude, where it actually violated our um, non-discrimination policy and encompassed a racial epithet or something like a swastika that was very clearly a symbol of hate speech or anti-Semitism, we do have the appropriate policies necessary uh, to take that immediate action and get the student off campus, route the student to student disciplinary policy. All right, Dr. Gabriel Trujillo, uh, thank you very much for the extended time today and happy birthday, uh, happy leap year day birthday to you. It is always a pleasure, Bill, and uh, I am back in studio as normal uh, for our visit next month. So looking forward uh, to sitting down with you uh, next month. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Trujillo. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. Take care. All right. Coming up next, Weekend Watch with Mr. Dan Gibson. That's coming up after a short break. Noble Hops is Tucson's original gastropub, serving an ever-changing menu of craft beer and fine fare. Savor the majestic mountain views from the perfect for any season spacious patio at West Lambert Lane in North La Cañada Drive in Oro Valley. Order in or take out at Noble Hops, a pub for foodies. On the web at noblehops.com. The Regional Transportation Authority plan is funded by a voter-approved half-cent sales tax. The RTA is the largest annual funder of regional transportation improvements in the region, averaging more than $100 million in tax revenue each year. The RTA is preparing a new 20-year plan for public review prior to a May 2025 election. Sign up at rtanext.com for updates. International Airport, we are non-stop for our community. Our main priorities are providing a safe and secure travel experience and excellent customer service. We're also non-stop for landing prosperity in Southern Arizona by attracting new flights for business travel and family getaways. When your airport thrives, our community thrives. So fly local, fly TUS. Tucson International Airport is non-stop for Tucson. Cushman & Wakefield Picor is Tucson's leading independently owned full-service commercial real estate company. Founded in 1985, Cushman & Wakefield Picor offers leasing, sales, and property management for industrial office, medical, retail, land, and investment properties in Tucson and Sonora, Mexico. Visit our website at picor.com for the latest news from Tucson's commercial real estate sector. That's picor.com. Call us at 748-7100. 
The Friends of Pima Animal Care Center is the nonprofit partner to our Pima County Animal Shelter. We grant critically needed resources to PACC so that it can continue the amazing life-saving progress it has made in recent years. Your generosity helps us find homes for abused, neglected, and abandoned animals at PAC. Learn how you can help at friendsofpacc.org. Family owned and run since 1985, Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing is the gold standard for quality and professionalism for picture framing, custom frame mirrors, art for your walls, and hanging and lighting solutions. Come in for your design session or set it up electronically. Moe's Gallery and Fine Framing, Fort Lowell and Dodge, and now doing e-commerce at moesgallery.com. Time for Weekend Watch. When I hear that music, that bumper music, it's time to celebrate because we made it through another week and the weekend is upon us. Weekend Watch is presented by Silver City and Grant County, New Mexico. Only about a three-hour drive to a beautiful area of the land of enchantment. When you get there, you'll be very surprised. There's a lot to do. The Gila National Wilderness right at the doorstep of Silver City. Great hiking there. Uh, a visit to the world-famous Cliff Dwellings National Monument. Western New Mexico University is there. Their museum has the probably the finest collection of mimbrace pottery in the world. So there's no shortage of things to do and some great places to stay and great places to eat as well. Check out their website, southwestnewmexico.org. Let's bring in now the host of Weekend Watch, Mr. Dan Gibson. Dan, how are you? I'm good. I have a a tip for next weekend in Silver City, New Mexico. What is it? Uh, Just... Well, there's a, a really interesting, uh, I don't know if you enjoy, you enjoy like honky-tonk country uh-huh, and that sort of sure. thing. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, who doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday, May 9th at Whiskey Creek Zocalo, which is uh, right on 180 in Silver City, New Mexico. Bray Burns, the Boleros with Katie May. Uh, they have been described as Hank Williams and Wanda Jackson meeting the future of country music. Wow. So, something to, yeah. So if you're uh, looking for something to do next Saturday night, Head out to Silver City. There's some new exhibits at some of the art galleries. Uh, I believe there's also a, something happening at the library on Saturday. So you make a whole day of it. Just you know, and, and all these are magnificent places to stay. So it, you can just check all that out at visitsilvercity.org as well. Thank you so much. That's a for, bonus uh, for the people of Silver City and yeah, their sponsorship today. <laughs> thank you very much for that little uh, extra enhancement uh, of Silver City, and they've been such a great sponsor through the years. What do we have going in the immediate Tucson area, Dan Gibson? Oh, yeah, Tucson. That's right. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Today, if you get until 5 p.m., if you happen to be in the downtown area or, or will be later, it's the uh, Tucson Museum of Art Spring Artisans Market. Uh, a great time with over 100 local, uh, unique and local artists and artisans. Uh, it's organized by the TMA Museum Store, which is actually really one of the great uh, gift shops in our community as well. And it's an annual fundraiser for the Tucson Museum of Art. So everybody wins. You know, 100 artisans, maybe get some uh, gift shopping out of the way. I don't know what occasion is coming up next. We think we missed Arbor Day, but there's something you can <laughs> no, buy something for. No, you, I actually think Arbor Day is still to come. I think that will be oh, in, great. The spring, okay. in the spring. Okay, so, excellent. Yeah. Thank goodness. I, I didn't get tear anything yet, and I, I don't want to get in trouble. Well, and of course, uh, there's, <laughs> there's St. Patrick's Day coming up. and uh, Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
fresh off your trip to Ireland. (laughs) I brought her some shamrock tea from Dublin, so I'm I'm set on that one. All right. What else? Well, you know, uh, the the website, or actually Instagram feed, Death Free Foodie, has done a really great job of cataloging uh, Tucson's vegan food and, um, and culture and options. And she is hosting an event tomorrow night at the Owls Club, uh, which is on uh, 236 South Scott Avenue. It is a vegan night market. Uh, that's from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. It is free to get in. A selection of many, many vegan food options, cocktails, music, tattoos, which I think can also be vegan. I don't, I don't really understand how, but it sounds great. I, I, for one, love getting an impromptu tattoo. Uh, so uh, we're, what are we using? But, environmentally sensitive ink for the, for the body art? Is that, yeah, it's certainly possible. It is yeah. a family-friendly event. You have to be 21 and over going to the bar area, but it's a good time. A lot of big crowds last time they had one of these events. Okay. Sounds rather interesting. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, kind of. Um, So on an entirely different note, tomorrow uh, during the day, Native Seed Search, which is a true uh, Southern Arizona treasure, is having their spring plant sale and pop-up shop. That's happening at their place over uh, at 3572 East River Road, which is uh, in the sort of Brandy Fenton Memorial Park, Green Things, Zocalo area. You can make a whole day of it right over there. Thank (laughs) you. No problem. I think uh, uh, Mona's is probably open beforehand. You can really do it all up. Um, It's a spring plant sale. They have landscape plants grown by a very uh, variety of nurseries that they work with, herb and veggie starts that are being grown by Native Seed Search. You can buy things from their seed bank collection, as well as select retail items that are part of the Native Seeds world. Uh, You can learn more at nativeseeds.org slash plant sale. Get yourself some chiltepine bushes or something like that. Mm, something uh, maybe hot and spicy. <laughs> Truly. Uh, yeah, they've got lots. They've got these really nice mole mixes over at Native Seed Search. So if you're looking for a complex meal that wasn't that complex for you to make, highly recommend it, the mole mixes. All right, Dan Gibson, I could take another one. Well, it's truly one of my favorite times of the year. It is time for the Wild Wild West Steampunk Convention, this time happening at Casino del Sol. It is the 12th version of it, of the, uh, of the Wild Wild West Con. I personally like to get my H.G. Wells goggles on, uh, whatever mechanisms, and a little, little cowboy, little robot. The uh, theme this year is heroes and villains. They've got something for everybody. There are comic book signings. There are uh, cosplay events. There's some sort of trading card deal. There is a burlesque show for the uh, older crowd. Uh, this is all happening at um, out at Casino del Sol. You can learn more about it at uh, wildwildwestcon.com. All right, Dan Gibson, always a pleasure. Hope you and yours have a lovely weekend. Thanks, Dan. See you at the vegan night market. Okay. Dan Gibson, the host of Weekend Watch on the Buckmaster Show. The Buckmaster Show is a presentation of Bill Buckmaster Communications, LLC, which is wholly responsible for the content of our program. Original theme music composed by our German friend, Christophan. Thanks to my assistant, Rosemary Brandt. And uh, Rose gets, makes sure all those podcasts are up in a timely manner, and she gets them sent to her by Tom Fairbanks. Thanks, Tom. Engineering and producing our program on behalf of everybody at Bustos Media Tucson. Have a great weekend.